Hey, y'all, I just want to give a quick uh, volume disclaimer real quick because, oh, hello? See, listen, right before I hit record on this podcast, the cats decided that they wanted to go nuts. So I'm just letting you know that they're probably going to be in the background of this and I may like pause for a second to talk to them because they're still, I mean, they get along, but they're still like working stuff out. And I swear I just heard one of them like fall from something, but I don't see them and nobody screamed. So I'm assuming they're okay. Um, but anyway, I'm just letting you know that there's going to be, there's probably going to be cat sounds in the background of this. And I can't really do anything about that because I can't just like shut them in a room and like, you know, whatever. They're, they're just out running around and they've, they're very hype. So just, I'm letting you know ahead of time there's going to be cat sounds. Good morning or afternoon or whenever it is to all of you listeners and lovers of cartoons. We all know Saturday morning is the best time to watch cartoons, but it's not the only time. So no matter where you are or what day it is, welcome to Kelby's Cartoon Corner, the show where we discuss all the best cartoons, from 90s Nicktoons to current animation. And by we, I mean me, Kelby, alone in my living room while my roommate is either asleep or out of the house because she's not into cartoons the same way I am. Alright, this week we're talking about Final Space, but before we get started, I wanted to give a quick disclaimer. This is the one adult animation that I'm covering this season, which also means that we're on the last uh, episode of the podcast of season one. So that's really exciting. We've made we've made it. <laughs> we're here. Um, but seriously, while this episode of the podcast is still going to be pretty family-friendly, this show is not. I don't know why like you would be listening like unless you're trying to screen like a show for a kid you know to make sure that it's okay for them to be watching or whatever uh this show is not a kid's show um that seems to be like a common misconception is like everybody thinks that anything not everybody but like a lot of people who aren't like really into animation tend to think that anything that is animated is made for children and that is not the case um it is no it's not (laughs) and this show it's not there's nothing like sexually explicit or anything but they do like casually swear and like there's some stuff that happens that would just kind of go over a kid's head like it's like there's nothing in the show that's like raunchy or anything like that it's just it's not a show for kids it's a show for adults it just happens to be animated so i'm just throwing that out there um if you are somebody who listens to this to like screen a show for your kid like that's the only instance that i would think that this would be like not okay for you if you are somebody who screens this for your kid to see if it's something okay again this episode of the podcast is going to be pretty family friendly but the show that we are covering is not so throwing that out there don't want anybody coming at me on twitter saying that i didn't warn anybody that the show is not family friendly this show is not family friendly do not watch the show with your children i mean unless you want like whatever that's your choice that you make as a parent but i'm just letting you know the show is not for kids all right i've said it enough times i feel like we're good we're gonna move on (laughs) so final space is a show created by olin rogers and he is originally a youtuber he's one of i he's one of the like the, like, pioneers of YouTube. I consider him to be, at least. He's been on there for forever. Uh, If you don't follow him or know anything about him, go follow him on his YouTube channel. He tells stories, and they're, like, the best thing. They make me laugh so hard. He tells a story where he printed a picture of his butt on his neighbor's printer, like, through the Wi-Fi, and then his neighbor was, like, going through the neighborhood, like, interviewing everybody to see if he could figure out whose butt this was. Uh... He shaved a chunk of his hair off, like, right before picture day in the fourth grade. It's, like, very mundane things, but the way that he tells stories is really fun. So, again, if you need a good laugh, uh, go follow him on YouTube because he tells really fun stories. So being the person that he is, anything that he works on is going to be great, and Final Space is no exception. This show is so good. It was originally on TBS, and it was available for streaming on Verve, which is where I first saw season one, but then it got picked up by Adult Swim, and they only had the last few episodes of season two available for streaming, like, through Adult Swim, and then I looked on HBO Max. I looked everywhere for this show, and I finally stumbled across it on Amazon Prime. So I bought season two, and then... Like, the day after I bought season two on Amazon Prime, Olin tweeted that both seasons were going to be available on Blu-ray in July. So, like, I could have just waited a couple of weeks and just bought the box set and then done this episode. We would have just had to push it back a little bit. But, you know, by then I had already bought season two on Amazon Prime and binged the entire thing. Like, by the time I saw that, I had had already seen it. So, whatever. Whatever. 
So if it is Saturday when you're listening, I hope you have some comfy pants and maybe a snack or four. I mean, regardless of what day it is, I hope you have comfy pants and snacks. But, you know, especially if it's Saturday. But no matter what day it is, I hope you're ready for the clasp of friendship and all the adventures that come along with trying to open a portal into Final Space. So let's get started. Okay, I'm going to try to cover some of the larger plot points without spoiling anything. There is a lot to cover. Like, I say that I'm going to cover the plot points, and then, like, Season 2 takes up the majority of this script. So I, like, cover a lot of plot points for Season 1, and then Season 2, it's like, "Mm, I'm basically going to tell you the whole story. So, (laughs) Season 1 aired in 2018, and Season 2 came out in 2019, so they've been out long enough for you to have seen them. But unless you just watch cartoons for fun, or you follow Olin Rogers like I do, then you probably didn't even know about this show. So I'll do my best not to spoil the plot, but just in case, I'm going to go ahead and issue a spoiler warning. Just be aware going forward. (laughs) So every episode of season one starts with our protagonist Gary floating aimlessly through space and Hugh, the AI of the ship that he was imprisoned on, counting down how much oxygen he has left. There's 10 episodes in season one, so they start at 10 minutes and then every episode, one minute has ticked by as Gary recounts the events that have led him to being in this place. Gary is a prisoner on the Galaxy One because he wrecked 92 Imperial cruisers in a small family-owned restaurant on Earth while trying to impress this girl named Quinn. He impersonated a member of the Imperial Guard, and when they got a call, he was forced to try and fly a ship that he didn't actually know how to fly, so he ended up destroying an entire fleet of ships. So, whoops. So he's been serving a five-year prison sentence, and every day he sends Quinn a video diary entry to keep himself from going insane. Gary is the only person on this ship, but he's not alone. Hugh, the AI, keeps him in check, along with Kevin, his deep space insanity avoidance companion, who is... He's not my favorite character, but I don't hate Kevin like a lot of people do, so just... (laughs) When the series starts, Gary is in his last week of his sentence, and he's super excited to get off the ship and see Quinn again, because he's been sending all these video messages to her. He hasn't gotten a response back yet, but, you know, he's just excited to, like, go see her. While he's out making repairs to the ship, he's watching The Princess Bride, and a little green ball of cuteness comes flying into him, and he names him Mooncake. And he's... he's super... he has little nubby legs. He's really cute. (laughs) Nubby, like, I assume they're legs, but they, like, he's round, and so they just, like, move all over his body. Like, I think, I don't know, but I think they're supposed to be legs, little nubs. Uh, Turns out that Mooncake was not just aimlessly flying through space, and he was running from something. He's running for bounty hunters. They invade the Galaxy One, and the ship gets hit by asteroids. Gary saves himself and Mooncake, but they get caught in between the ship and the asteroids. Uh, Hugh says that... Gary may be able to make it back to the ship if he does an emergency blowout of his O2 tanks, but it will only work for him, not for him and Mooncake. Gary decides that it's worth the risk to try and save Mooncake, so he blows out his uh, oxygen tanks, but surprise, surprise, he doesn't actually make it. He runs out of oxygen, and he passes out just as the asteroids are about to smash into him. And then uh, Mooncake shoots some sort of weird, uh, huge cosmic power out of his mouth and destroys all the asteroids. So not only is Mooncake adorable, he's also useful. Gary comes to on the ship where he tells... Oh, hold on. Not he. Nope. He was unconscious. <laughs> Gary comes to on the ship where Hugh tells him that he was dead for about five minutes. And also there is still someone on the ship. Gary goes to ambush him, but he ends up getting ambushed by a cat guy named Avocado. Also, this is something that I just recently found out that I've been spelling wrong for the entire, uh, like, the entirety of the script. Um, his name is Avocado, but it's spelled Avocato. Like, because I watched a video where somebody, like, pronounced it Avocado, and I was like, what are you doing? You're, like, butchering his name. Nah, bro, it's spelled with a T, because he's a cat. (laughs) I'm just... I'm throwing that out there. So it's spelled wrong. That doesn't matter to you because you're not freaking looking at my script. You're looking, you're just listening. I'm just letting you know that I spelled this wrong and it's going to bother me the entire rest of the script. But like, I'm not going to go back through and edit because that's not how we do things here. So they tie him up and then he tells Gary that he was sent by some guy named the Lord Commander to capture Mooncake because he's apparently some kind of super weapon, which we have some sort of inkling about at this point because dude just destroyed an entire like asteroid belt with his like breath. So... (laughs) Avocado was a part of the original group of bounty hunters that came to capture Mooncake, but he wasn't alone, um, obviously, because it was a group of bounty hunters. A whole fleet of ships is following the Galaxy One. One of the ships sends a little robot scanner drone thing in to try to scan for Mooncake, and it finds him. Avocado knows who it is, and he agrees to help Gary save Mooncake. They go on a mission to a planet called Terracon Prime, where the Lord Commander is waiting for them. 
Um, their whole mission is full of setbacks and misadventures, but basically we learn that Avocado has a son that was taken away from him, and the Lord Commander used him as bait to force Avocado to work for him. They track down the Lord Commander, Avocado renounces his allegiance to him, and then Lord Commander rips Gary's arm off. Oh, I do! I, I do talk about that. Alright, cool. Um, there's, uh, like whatever i was typing the script at like three in the morning and i didn't think that i ever mentioned that gary had a robot arm okay <laughs> um avocado replaces gary's arm with a robot one and then gary vows that together they will get his son back also while they're on this mission they meet a random collector of items named clarence to avoid gary being detected they have to go to clarence and gary has to wear the skin of a dead alien he ends up running into the family of the person that used to be in this skin it's very weird but like it makes sense in the context of the show um, Gary, okay, so he's wearing the skin of a woman, and he runs into her family. It's not a huge plot point, but Clarence plays a big role in season two, and this family keeps coming back, um, throughout, like, the rest of season two, so I'm just, I'm putting them in here, because otherwise I will mention them in season, when I go through season two, and then it won't make any sense. You're gonna be like, who are these people that are just hunting Gary? <laughs> That's why. He's wearing the skin of their dead mother- slash wife because he like finds the the husband slash father and the two kids and the kids are understandably traumatized and the dad is just like rage so <laughs> they continue to hunt gary down for the rest of the show while gary and avocado are out on their adventure we also see quinn back on earth she's investigating weird gravitational shifts that are causing ships to crash and her assistant tribor is atten attempting to help her Tribor becomes a bigger part of the story in season two, but honestly, he's kind of annoying. I loved him in season one, but I think that's because we just didn't see him very often. He has some fun, like, not like one-liners, but like he has some fun parts, but as a whole, Tribor is not my favorite. I don't have like a least favorite character, but I think if I had to put somebody in that box, it would be Tribor. But again, I he's funny. He provides some like comic relief, but he's just, he's not my favorite. Okay, Quinn goes to the command of the Imperial Guard and she tries to explain to them what's happening because this kind of force could tear a hole in the universe. And they kind of just brush her aside, claiming that she doesn't know what she's talking about because she's a woman. And then she kind of like storms off and she's like, well, if you won't listen to me, then I'm going to go find the answers myself. And she does. So Quinn is investigating all these shifts in gravity and Gary and Avocado are on a mission. And meanwhile, aboard the Galaxy One, Mooncake and Kevin are visited by a mysterious Darth Vader type intruder. They put a manual override on the whole ship and then they take Kevin and put some sort of chip into his butt. It's, <laughs> it's fun. Um... Then they take off their helmet, and it's Quinn? But it's, like, techno-punk Quinn, and she calls herself Nightfall. Uh, she tells Mooncake to keep Gary safe, and then she jumps ship. And, okay, that, that was kind of weird. Nightfall is Quinn, but she's Quinn from an alternate universe. Like, either an alternate universe or, like, a different timeline. I, whatever, however you want to say it. She's, like, Quinn, but she's not our Quinn, so... Uh, she comes to help Gary save this version of the universe. We learn more about her in Season 2, but for now, that's really all that matters. She's Quinn, and she's here to help. I don't really have the time to recap all the rest of Season 1, but I'm going to try to hit the bullet points. So I'm going to say again, spoiler alert. I'm probably going to say that several more times, because I hit a lot of really plot-heavy things. <laughs> Also, before I get too much farther, Final Space is, like, the edge of the universe, I think. The edge of our universe, at least. They explain it a few different times through the show, and it makes a lot more sense in context, but I just wanted to mention that before I get too far into this, and then you're still like, okay, well, what the heck is Final Space? Because I just kind of say it casually, assuming that you know what it is, but just in case you don't, Final Space, edge of the universe. That's all that matters. All right. So, uh, the Imperial Guard is in cahoots with the Lord Commander. Uh, the weird shifts in gravity are from them trying to access Final Space. Quinn figures this out, and they hunt her down. Quinn flees on an escape pod, and the Galaxy One gets her distress signals. Distress signals. They scoop her up, and she has no idea who Gary is, because none of his messages ever made it to her. So he's just been, like, doing these video diaries and, like, sending them off into nothing, like, because they, they never reach Quinn. He's just been sending them off into space, and they're just, like, out there floating. They never get back to her. Uh, Mooncake is the key to unlocking Final Space. The Lord Commander is sick, and he needs to harness Mooncake's powers to heal himself somehow. Alright, okay, that's not entirely true. There was an accident, and he got struck with some kind of weird Titan powers, and he thinks that it's his destiny to unlock Final Space to unleash the Titans. But also, he is ill. 
and I, I think that might be kind of because of his, like, weird titan powers are, like, overwhelming his body, but I don't actually know that to be true, all right? Little Kato, Avocado's son, sends out a message into space to try and find his dad. They get the message, and they go to save him, but then he gets overpowered by the Lord Commander, and Avocado is able to break through him, break through to him, and then Mooncake delivers a blast to the Lord Commander. Once they get back to the ship, they realize that a bomb was planted on Little Kato. Avocado takes it, tells Gary to look after his son, and then he jumps on the bomb as it detonates. Little Kato is understandably traumatized, and he refuses to speak to anyone for a, a long while. Eventually, Gary is able to get through to him just by talking, and they decide that together they're going to avenge their friend-slash-dad by going after the Lord Commander. So they go after, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start calling him LC because I'm tired of saying Lord Commander over and over again as I hit these bullet points, alright? <laughs> so they go after LC and the ship explodes. Nightfall comes and rescues them, but she also tries to kill Mooncake. She eventually tries, to, or she eventually decides to give Mooncake a second chance and stick around to help the crew. Then we meet Bolo, a titan who is trapped somewhere and he promises to help Gary if Gary can free him from the prison that he's trapped in. A black hole is getting ready to swallow the Earth. Gary and Quinn have to go to Earth to retrieve some antimatter bombs that are in New York City. Uh, they get the bombs. Quinn takes them with her on a ship to the black hole in an attempt to close it. We learn that Mooncake is made of Final Space. Something happened when Final Space was created, and Mooncake is the little bits of matter that reformed. Elsie captures Mooncake and attempts to use him to open final space he succeeds and then a titan hand reaches through the void and elsie assumes that it's coming for him because again he believes that this is his ultimate destiny is to open final space so the titans can come and like get him but that's not what it's doing the titan hand yeets through this void grabs the earth and takes it into final space uh quinn tells gary that she has to fly her ship with the bomb into final space to close the rift she flies in detonates the bomb and gary promises to come after her uh, so the opening of every episode of season one takes place after the events of all of this. Gary is just floating in the rubble of the battle that just took place, and he's thinking that everyone that he cares about is gone, and also he's running out of oxygen. Just as he runs out of oxygen, and he, like, turns all blue and he gets all frozen, he, he essentially dies. Right as that happens, a tractor beam shines on him, end of season one. It's a very cliffhangery ending. <laughs> oh, okay. That was a wild ride, yo. Um, I skipped some minor plot stuff, and I feel like I probably left something out here or there, but that's essentially season one. This show is so good. I loved season one, but I love season two even more. Season two evoked emotions in me that I was not ready for a cartoon to bring forward. Not necessarily, just like I wasn't ready for like a cartoon created by Olin Rogers, somebody who tells stories that are so funny. And like, like when I watch his stuff, that makes me laugh. I was not ready to sob watching a cartoon that he created when I had seen the first season. And I was like, oh yeah, this is really good. It's got some really cool sci-fi elements. Nah, was not ready to sob. Just what, like, and I think it's because um, over the course of season one and everything that happens in season two, you get so invested in these characters and then all this stuff happens to them and it's just like, sad, yo. It just makes you sad. <laughs> okay, so again, issuing a spoiler warning because I, I'm i gonna talk very heavily about lots of stuff that happens in season two. Mostly because more stuff happens in season two. Season two is just longer than season one. Season one was 10 episodes. Season two is 13 episodes. So... There's just a lot more stuff that happens in season two, but I'm just letting you know right now, spoiler, we're going to talk about some stuff. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, and it's going to all be very plot-heavy, so I'm just letting you know I'm about to spoil pretty much everything that happens in season two. So here we go, season two. Okay, so like I said, season one ends with Gary getting sucked into a tractor beam, but we have no idea who saves him. Literally, it goes tractor beam, like, duh, like you hear the like noise of the tractor beam turning on, and then fade to black. Like, that's it. We have no idea who saved Gary. We honestly don't know that he's saved. We just know that somebody came to get him. Like, somebody could very well just be coming to, like, yeet. Like, we have no idea. We just know that he's not going to be floating around in space by himself anymore. So he wakes up on a ship all alone, and he asks Hugh where they are, but he doesn't get a response. 
uh, for like 15 seconds until a little robot with Hugh's voice walks over. He transferred himself into a little baby robot friend, and this makes Hugh way more fun. But also through a lot of season two, Hugh feels really useless, and I feel really bad for him because he tries. He's trying to help, and he just like, his body is super slow. Like, Gary will tell Hugh to run, and he's like, I am at maximum speed. And he just, like, like Baymax in Big Hero 6 when he says, I am not fast. That's kind of what Hugh, he's just, he can't run. <laughs> Whatever, he feels really useless through most of season two because he's trying to help, but he's not actually helping anybody. But that's that's for later. Uh, for now, Gary and Hugh are both safe and they're together, and that's what matters. So they land on this planet with a bunch of junk, and from among these like piles of garbage emerges Clarence. Remember him, the collector guy? Yeah, he scooped Gary up from space, and now according to some weird like space law, he now owns Gary. He and Hugh try to run for it, but Cl this is, okay, this is what I'm talking about. He and Hugh try to run, but, like, Hugh physically cannot run. <laughs> it's very cute, because Hugh's, Hugh's little legs, he's just trying to run and he can't. All right. So he tries to run for it, and uh, Clarence's adopted kids stop him. Ash has telekinetic powers, and Fox is just this, like, big, lovable, like, brute of a guy. Um, nothing special about them for right now, but they play a big role in the plot later. Clarence summons his wash boy, and little Kato appears from the shadows. So we're slowly getting the gang back together. While all of this is happening, we flash back to Nightfall and the Lord Commander. She kills him, finally rescues Mooncake, and she says that she's done this over a hundred times, and every time Invictus comes to take him. We don't know who that is yet, but we will. We will find that out later. For now, all that matters is that Mooncake is safe, and the Lord Commander is dead. So back to Gary, he and Hugh and Little Cotto are trapped with Clarence, and he makes them a deal. If they help him with a heist, uh, they steal this thing called the Nymerian Cube, and then Gary, <laughs> he says, we're going to steal this thing called the Nymerian Cube, and then Gary says, the Hungarian Lube, the what? What is that? It's just, it's fun. It's like some very classic Olin Rogers humor, and I appreciate Okay, so if they come with him and they help steal this thing called the Nymerian Cube, then they get to go free, and they get a ship. So... They just have to compete in this race, and, you know, that, that, that seems easy enough. While they're going over terms, Gary sees something move out of the corner of his eye, and he just kind of shrugs it off, and uh, he he says something to the effect of, like, oh, for, for a second I thought it was going to be, and then, like, Kevin appears out of nowhere. So Kevin also survived, and depending on how you feel about Kevin, that's either a relief or, like, the worst thing that could have happened in the first ten minutes of the first episode of season two. <laughs> Again, Kevin is not my favorite, but he provides some comic relief, and he actually plays, like, a really big role. Not, like, a big role, but he plays an important role in the plot later. So, we appreciate Kevin. We don't love Kevin, but we appreciate Kevin. Okay, so basically the rest of this episode is this race, but Clarence forgot to mention that it's a race to the death. So they end up winning the race, but, like, barely. They get this cube, and then when they get to the finish line, Bolo. Remember Bolo, that titan from the very end of season one? He appears to them, and he says that something is coming. There's a threat to this universe. And he needs Gary to help free him by using five-dimensional keys. And it turns out that this cube that they just stole is one of the one of the keys. So Gary agrees to help, and then they go to leave, but Clarence said that he still owns them, technically, so he'll be coming with them. So, yay. Yay. Oh, also, we reunite with Nightfall and Mooncake, and we're introduced to one of my favorite new characters, Ava. She's the AI of the ship that Clarence said that they could have after they win the race. Uh, the name of the ship is called the Crimson Light. That doesn't ever come back into play uh, through the rest of this podcast, but just FYI, the name of their ship is the Crimson Light. And Ava is the name of the AI of that ship. Uh, she's fun and snarky, and she's voiced by Jane Lynch. So she's, like, just she's one of my favorite characters of season two. <laughs> we appreciate her. Okay, now we're on to episode two. And um, this has been a thing. <laughs> this has been a thing that, like, I haven't seen very many, uh, like, reaction videos to season two. Partly because I just don't think anybody knows that this show even exists, but also I don't know how many people have seen season two, but, like, episode two is the thing where everybody's kind of like, eh, like, why, though, okay? And this, <laughs> this is why. Episode two starts, like, the weirdest way that any episode of a TV show could possibly start, all right? So they're all, like, mad that uh, Clarence and his kids are still on this ship, and little Kato says that he knows a way to reclaim the ship, and so Gary's like, all right, cool, go for it. And he just goes downstairs, and he just, like, pees everywhere. Everywhere, yo. Um, and it turns into, like, a full-on war of everybody just running around peeing. It's so, it's so weird. Why? Why are y'all just running around, like, peeing? And then they, like, stop. Like, everybody's, like, okay, all right, listen. Everybody stops. 
like in the middle of this pee war and they are they like stop to drink because they're all out of pee and uh i don't something happens and like ava comes over the like intercom and says something and then she also says ash you have a uti so just like bro why why though why did we need well, I just don't, I don't understand. And, like, my reaction seems to be the reaction of everyone. Like, it's not, it doesn't really serve any, like, purpose in the plot overall. It's just, like, I understand, it was probably just there for comic relief. But, like, nothing, nothing happened in episode one that we really needed that comic relief. It was just, it's just a weird thing that everybody in the ship is just running around peeing for no reason. It's, it's just real weird, alright? So, whatever. I, that was me warning you about the beginning of episode two, because it's just real weird. It's like the first, like, three minutes of this episode is just everyone peeing. <laughs> okay, so we're moving on. Okay, so everybody's running around peeing. Everything stops. Uh, they get pulled in by a giant ship. They get into this, whatever, this ship. I don't really know if it's a ship or if it's, like, when they get in there, it's, like, a giant floating power station. So, like, I don't know if it's supposed to be, like, a ship or if it's supposed to be, like, kind of a planet. I don't really know what it's supposed to be, but they call it the happy place where they harness your good thoughts to power the galaxy. And when you run out of good thoughts, you die. Um, they trick Gary and they hook him up into this machine and he plays out a whole scenario that makes him happy while everybody else is trying to break him out because they figure out what's going on. But Gary has already been tricked and hooked up to this like machine that like sucks all of his happiness out. Uh, so they're running around, they're trying to find him and free him, and they end up finding Tribor, too. So, again, yay, because he's not my least favorite character. Uh, well, yeah, he kind of is my least favorite character, but it's because everything that happens in Season 2, he's just kind of annoying, and I don't really know why I feel that way. It's just, I don't know. It's just something about him. Okay, so they they free Gary. They end up finding Tribor. They unhook Tribor, and he joins the team. And, okay, all right, yeah, this is where I start to dislike Tribor, but, again, only because we see him so much, and, I like, I don't know why, that makes a difference, but, like, it does to me. So they rescue Gary, and when they do, they find out that the guy that is in charge of the happy place is actually a human. Oh, because when they <laughs> when they get... I just I said that, like, it was, it was, like, strange that they were not humans. So uh, when they get onto this, like, ship, planet, whatever, the, like, power plant, the... They're called Hush Fluffles, I think. No, that's the name of the, like, guy that runs it. But whatever, they're not human, all right? So then there's, like, this big dramatic reveal at the end where he, like, takes his head off, and he's not, he's not this, like, creature, whatever the, the, everybody thought he was. He's actually a human, okay? His name is Todd H. Watson, and his family was on Earth. He was, like, watching the Earth get sucked into this hole by this titan, uh, like, while his wife and son were, like, on the Earth. So they all got, like, sucked into this black hole, and so he is out for revenge on Gary because he doesn't have anybody to blame for the, like, falling of Earth except for Gary. So, I mean, you know, for, for good reason. But, like, Gary already feels guilty. He doesn't need this guy also coming after him. Alright, so a lot of Season 2 is just them traveling the galaxy looking for these dimensional keys. But while they're doing all of that, a lot of stuff happens. And I mean a lot of freaking stuff, man. I'm going to do what I did for Season 1 and try to hit the bullet points, but there's a lot. So just, just bear with me. <laughs> Also, I say bullet points, but I actually go into, like, a lot of detail about everything that's happening. I I kind of suck at summarizing. Okay, so we learn that Ash came from a planet called Serapentis. She had a really rough upbringing. The people on this planet worship a giant snake god, and it has a name, but I didn't write it down, and I don't remember, so it's, it's not plot relevant. It is in this episode, but, like, to the overall plot, it doesn't really matter. Okay, so the people on this planet worship a giant snake god, and Ash and her sister were sacrificed to appease it. Well, okay, her sister was eaten, and then Ash got her powers. They travel to this planet to get one of the dimensional keys, and that brings up a lot of different stuff for Ash. They have to destroy the snake god from the inside. Okay, every time I type this out, I think of uh, the Digimon movie, where uh, they have to go... They have to go inside Kokomon and destroy from the ins uh, destroy the virus from the inside. That's what this scene makes me think of. Not for necessarily any other reason than the fact that they have to destroy it from the inside. That's the only that's the only reason. Okay, so they have to destroy the snake from the inside. Uh, so they all have to get eaten. And Ash finds her sister, or like what's left of her. She is not the same person that Ash knew after having been eaten by a snake god. She is mentally broken. And she tells Ash to go and just leave her behind. And it's rough, yo, to, like, watch this scene play out where Ash is like, no, I gotta take you with me. And she's like, no, you can't. You gotta leave me here. 
And it's, this is one of the episodes that, this isn't the episode that made me, like, sob, but this is one of the episodes that made me, like, tear up and be like, oh, crap, like, I wasn't ready to be feeling this kind of stuff from a cartoon. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for this. Also, before they decide to go to this planet, Nightfall gives her a pep talk, and she says that maybe she got her powers for something really special, something that hasn't happened yet. And that pep talk is really sweet, and that plays into a moment in the finale of Season 2 that actually made me sob. So, just remember this little tidbit. She says that she got her powers for something that hasn't happened yet. Okay? That's gonna come full circle. (laughs) So now they have two keys. On their way to find the next one, they encounter a minefield of, like, chunks of time that they have to navigate through. This episode is heavy, and I don't want to spoil what happens in case you decide to watch it, but I'll just say that they end up crashing into a chunk of time, and it's very rough to watch what happens through the course of this episode. It's nothing plot-heavy, like, to the story overall. It's just way better if I don't spoil what happens, but just, I'm letting y'all, this episode is rough. Another one of the episodes that didn't necessarily make me, like, sob, but it was just like, oh, my heart. It just, it gets you, bro. It really does. Okay, so now we're on to episode five. Episode five starts with everybody looking for fuel cells on a snowy planet. They find them, and they get shot down by, any guesses? The Dwinters. Y'all don't know who they are, because I didn't say their last name. (laughs) It is, this is the family of the skin that Gary wore back in season one. Again, it makes more sense in context, But they have, like, a full-on shootout, and as the gang flies away in the ship, uh, Mr. DeWinter reveals that they found Gary's mom in a prison on another planet. And this is kind of a weird thing to just, like, insert into the story, because we know about Gary's dad. Like, we saw him a few times throughout season one, but, like, his mom is never mentioned until right now. And it just seems like a weird thing to just be like, hey, we know where your mom is, and Gary's like, oh, okay. Like, we, honestly, it was just never, like, a conscious thought throughout the rest of the show that he even had a mom. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, cool. So it moves the story along. It just seems, like, weird to suddenly mention Gary's mom after a season and a half, but, like, now we have a side quest. So they bring Gary's mom out of prison, and they bring her onto the ship with them. She's the most infamous criminal in the galaxy, so she's the ideal person to bring on a heist to steal another... It is a dimensional key, but they don't know it at the time. They, like... I didn't watch this full episode when I was going through and I was typing up the script. Something, whatever. They go to, like, steal this thing, and they take her with them. And they steal the thing, and then they get back on the ship, and... Gary's like, come on, let's go celebrate, we did a good job, and she's like, oh, you know what, no, I don't really feel like celebrating, and then she, like, gets on this, like, whatever, this, like, smaller ship inside the Crimson Light, and she's like, you know what, it's probably just better if I just leave, and Gary's like, oh, okay, and then it's, like, revealed that she has, first of all, it's revealed that she has a dimensional key, and also it's revealed that she knows what it is, so, like, she is also on a hunt to find these keys, because the entire time that she's on the the ship, Gary is, like, desperate for her attention and, like, desperate to please her, but Nightfall's like, mm, I don't know, bro, she gives me weird vibes. So, like, Nightfall ends up being right because uh, she leaves and she takes the dimensional key with her. But, like, at the end, uh, she says... At the end, Nightfall says, uh, your mom is gone. And Gary's like, oh, let me guess, she took the key with her. And then Nightfall's like, yeah how did you know? And Gary says, she's really good at taking things that are important to me. And that's like, (laughs) like a jab, yo. The next episode starts with Tribor leaving to aid in the resistance so that they can resist the uprising against the insurgency, which is resisting the rebellion against the insurrection. And that doesn't really mean anything to us right now. I just wanted to say this little speech that he gives when he leaves. It's very fun. And like, it would be way more fun if I could do the Tribor voice, but like, it's just, it's a weird, (laughs) it's a weird, like character voice that, uh, Olin does, and it, he's got, like, kind of a lisp, and it's just, it's very funny. Tribor's voice is iconic. I love it. So, this episode is mostly about the Arachnatechs. They are a race of spider-like beings who were created by higher beings to weave the universe like a spider web. They're the ones who created Final Space, and when they did, Mooncake was created, and now that he exists, Final Space is unbalanced, so they steal Mooncake to try to give him back to Final Space to seal a dimensional rip that they created. Actually, the Arachnatechs also created the Titans, but when they got to the edge of the universe, Final Space, they also discovered Invictus. Remember, I mentioned him at the beginning of all the Season 2 stuff? He is a being of pure evil that dwells inside Final Space, and he corrupted the Titans, possessing their minds and turning them evil. 
the Arachnitex had to seal the Titans away for their own good, and Bolo was the only Titan who was not corrupted. So when he reached out to Gary to ask for help, this is confirmation in my head that Bolo is who he says he is. I feel like if the literal weavers of the universe are telling you that this dude is on the level, then he's he probably is alright. So Bolo and the Spider Gods trapped all of the Titans and Invictus inside Final Space, and they kept trying to escape, and they were, like, clawing at the walls of Final Space, and they eventually created a rift, and Gary's dad closed it, which we saw in Season 1, but I didn't mention it, because it's plot-heavy, but, like, I don't have time to mention everything. Y'all are just gonna have to go watch the show. Uh, okay, so Gary's dad closed the rift, but when he did, it created Mooncake. So now the universe is unbalanced, and the walls between our dimension and Final Space are cracking. If they give Mooncake back, then balance will be restored. So they just, like, beam Mooncake up towards this void. But Gary jumps up with him, and he says that he's not leaving Mooncake. And they, like, uh, like, Thanos snap. They, like, start to, like, fade away, like, chip away and, like, become dust. And Gary's like, huh, this kind of hurts this scene is kind of emotional because Gary's like, I'm not leaving. I'm going with you. We're going to, we're going to do this together. We're friends. This is how, this is what we do. So yeah. Okay. So Gary jumps on his back. He's not going to leave Mooncake alone to just die like that. Mooncake swells up and he uses his powers to seal the void, thus keeping the Titans and Invictus inside final space for the time being. This is actually a huge moment because ever since the Lord Commander uh, tried to use him to blast a beam into space, Mooncake hasn't been able to use his powers. So this is the first time in a long time that he's actually used them. Spider gods agree to let Mooncake go, but if he ever uses his powers for evil, they will come and take him back. So everybody goes home happy. The next episode isn't really plot-heavy, so I'm skipping that one, and then we are on to episode 8. Lots to cover, so here we go. We start by flying through an asteroid belt, except it's not an asteroid belt, it's a bunch of time worm eggs. They hatch, the crew gets swallowed, and they go back in time three years. Clarence says that the Lord Commander has a dimensional key, so Gary decides that his mom is never going to think to look in the past. So they're going to outsmart her, and they're going to take this one while they're here. They find Avocado, and while Little Kato tries to run to him, the gang is interrupted by this, uh, like, weird alien bunny creature called Time Swap Sammy, and he warns them not to mess with the timeline or else poof. So, naturally, they're gonna wreck the timeline. Lucky for them, Avocado is Lord Commander's second-in-command. So, Little Kato, uh, takes Fox and Ash, and they break into his house, uh, Little Kato explains what's happening to Avocado, and he agrees to help them after Little Kato explains that he will eventually die because of the betrayal from the Lord Commander. Uh, side story, while they're doing this stuff, Clarence takes them to Elsie's secret bunker where all of his prized stuff is, and while they're in there, uh, one, they find Mooncake in a holding cell, and they set him free so he can go find Gary. And two, while they're here, <laughs> Gary has to wear another alien skin. And when they set Mooncake free, a guard comes and tells them that they're in a restricted area. And guess who the guard is? Guesses. Anybody. <laughs> Melanie freaking DeWinter. The body of the skin that Gary wore in season one. And he is wearing the skin of her dead father. She gets excited because she thinks that her dad is, like, alive. And then Gary's skin peels off and it freaks Melanie out. She has a heart attack and dies. <laughs> okay, also, yo, this is something that I just put together uh, last night while I was typing the script. Um, Gary frees Mooncake. He finds Gary. Lord Commander sends Avocado to find Mooncake. They go back to Terracon Prime, and Gary wears the skin of the woman that a future version of himself just killed by wearing the skin of her dead dad. This just came full circle in a way that I was not expecting it to. All right? there's This is what I said. There's a lot to happen. There's a lot happening in Season 2. There's a lot happening in Episode 8. Like, there's just everything. Everything is happening all at once. It's so much. So much. <laughs> So everything goes okay, I guess. Uh, they end up getting the key, but as they're leaving, Time Swap Sammy comes on the ship, and he tells them that they messed up everything by taking that key. So he says that he needs it back, and Gary says that they'll only give the key back if they can go back and they can save Avocado uh, when the bomb exploded. Sammy agrees, but he says that someone will have to stay behind so that the timeline doesn't collapse in on itself, and Little Kato agrees. They go back to save Avocado, but they don't reach him in time. They're, like, tethered to the ship. They jump out. They can't reach Avocado in time before he falls into this, like, void. So uh, Gary unhooks his tether that's holding him to the ship. He dives down, gets Avocado, tosses him up to Little Kato, and they take him back to the ship. Gary stays on Terracon Prime for, like, six months waiting for the timeline to catch up, and then his friends come back and save him. 
When they do finally come back and save Gary, Avocado doesn't remember anything. He doesn't remember Gary or Mooncake, any of the stuff that they went through, or his son. It's really rough for a little bit. Through some really unconventional methods, he does eventually remember, but it's only some stuff, and he doesn't control... Like, he... Uh, it takes him a really long time to remember who Little Kato is. Like, he remembers Gary and Mooncake and, like, the Galaxy 1. He remembers all that stuff, but he doesn't remember Little Kato for a long time. And he, like, there's a point where Avocado looks at Little Kato and he says, I'm sorry, I don't get to control what comes back. And Little Kato's just like, mm. It's just, it's it's rough for a little bit, yo. One of the things that he does remember, though, when he finally does start to remember stuff, is taking the Lord Commander to a place where there are pools of liquid space-time, and if you drink from those pools, you can enter into final space for a short period of time. They go, and Gary drinks from the pool to try and find Quinn. He does, and their reunion is brief and very emotional, and then Quinn says that Gary has to go back before he finds them. And, but by then it's too late. Um, Invictus takes over Gary's body, and then the Kados have to fight to, like, try to save him. Avocado, and that's when he finally remembers who Little Kato is. And then they work together to knock Gary down, but then Invictus decides that he's gonna take Avocado's body instead. They, like, team up, they pounce on Gary, and then Invictus says, uh, your vessel is much stronger, I'll take you instead. And then he, like, leaves Gary and he goes into Avocado, and... Avocado tries to fight it for a few minutes, but he just, he can't, yo. It's like, it, he's a being of pure evil and negative energy. Like, you can't fight that. Oh, okay, I'm, just, I'm warning y'all ahead of time. This is super emotional. Like, I have, I have seen this specific episode of season two probably like ten times, and I've yet to see it and not at least tear up and also possibly cry just like a smidge because it's so emosh to, like, hear... Gary, like, Gary and Little Kato, they're, like, pleading with Avocado to try and remember who he is, who he is, but also who they are. All right, so I'm just, I'm gonna explain this whole, this whole scene. So, Gary is trying to get through to his friend, but Invictus is telling him all these really awful things about Gary, that he stole his son away from him and turned him against him, and he shoots Gary in the side, and Gary's, like, holding his side and pleading for uh, Lil' Kato, not Lil' Kato, for uh, Avocado to remember, uh, like, what happened. He says, you asked me to look after your boy, we broke time to save you, we're friends. But Invictus is too strong and Avocado can't snap out of the spell that he's under. So Little Kato comes up to protect Gary, aiming his gun at his dad, and he's, like, pleading with him to stop. Um, Avocado says that he would never father something so weak. And he takes a step closer, and Little Kato, Little Kato pulls the trigger. It doesn't kill him, but just, like, the idea that you would have to, like, shoot your own dad, even if he isn't really your dad right now, to save your own friend, like, weighs really heavy through this scene. Um, Avocado says that Little Kato isn't his son, and he responds with, I am your son, and I always will be, and just, like, bro, my heart, he, like, he's, like, tears are streaming down, like, Gary is, like, very injured at this point, but, like, also, Little Kato is just, like, tears are streaming down his face, like, trying to get his dad to, like, like, because you just spent, like, I don't, I, undisclosed amount of time in between these two episodes trying to get your dad to remember who you are and then he finally does remember and then he gets taken over by some sort of demon and now you're it's like starting all over again you gotta try to convince your dad that he is who you remember him to be I don't know bro it's just it's very emotional so Avocado sinks away into a void and as he does Little Kato says you're not my father and then Avocado says neither is he like with the glowy eyes and, like, it's Invictus' voice coming through him, but he says neither is he, and then he, like, fades away. And they go back to the ship, Gary is placed on life support, and then Lil' Kato leaves because he just believes that he brings trouble anywhere that he goes. Again, this scene is heavy, and I I wasn't ready. I'm never ready. Like, I've seen, like I've said, I've seen the whole of season two several times, and I'm never ready for that episode. So Lil' Kato leaves... And then the crew uh, goes... Uh, Gary's on life support for, like, three days. So after Gary wakes up from, like, a medically induced coma or whatever, they uh, they tell him that little Kato has left, uh, and they go to this planet where he's run away to to find him and bring him back. And Gary offers to adopt him until they can get Avocado back. And that's pretty much everything plot-relevant that happens in episode 10. 
just kidding. Um, Todd Watson has captured Gary's mom. He wants to know where Gary is, and so he injects her with that stuff so that she'll show him her past, and it works. They find out that they have something in common, a disdain for Gary, so they decide to team up. So at this point, Gary's mom has two dimensional keys, and our team also has two. Um, episode 11 starts with a BS holiday that Clarence makes up to make himself feel better, and when nobody participates the way that he wants them to, he gets mad and storms out. And while he's sulking, he gets a call from Gary's mom asking if he's thought about the offer that she made him, and he accepts. Clarence tricks everybody to get them off the ship for a few hours while he takes the keys. Clarence double-crosses the team by working with Gary's mom, and then she double-crosses him, and Gary turns his back on Clarence for betraying them. Also, he shot Fox, so he's on the ship in the sick bay, and Ava says that she needs some sort of, like, rare metal to be able to stabilize him, but they don't have any. Um, Kevin reaches into his, like, butt. <laughs> it's, like, his back hatch, but it's, I think it's his butt. Um, and he pulls out his, like, circuit board that makes him not go insane, and he gives it to Fox. So, say what you want about Kevin, but he's a good friend, and that's what I mean when I said that he was gonna play a big part later. That's it. He, he saved Fox from dying. Kevin, like, slowly starts to go insane over the next couple of episodes. He just, like, he eats Ash's hair, and he, like, I think he, like, takes, like, a beam and just starts hitting himself with it. Like, it's it's kind of funny to see Kevin, the uh, deep space of insanity avoidance companion, like, start to go insane. It's just, it's very fun. <laughs> So the next episode is a race against Gary's mom to get the final dimensional key. I mean, now we need all of the keys, but she only needs one, but whatever. So we have to beat her. Um, they get to this planet. They win the fight. They convince her to join the crew. Um, convincing her to join the crew actually takes like half of the next episode, but whatever. Now we're all on the same team and we have all the keys. Also, I just want to say real quick, it seems... <sighs> Not sketchy, it just seems odd to me, like, how quickly they were able to convince Gary's mom to come around. Like, she showed them some stuff that had happened in her past, like, what the events that led to her leaving, abandoning Gary when he was very young, and then... They, like, show her, like, snippets of some stuff that could have happened had she stayed around. And then she's just like, oh, well, it's too late. And they're like, yeah, it's too late for these, but you can still make new memories. Like, you can still, you know, you can still be a good mom. And that's the thing that she's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, like, she'd never thought about that before. I don't know. It just seems weird how quickly they were able to convince her to come around. Just whatever. Just a little bit of a nitpick from me. I just, that seems weird to me. Okay, now we're on to the final episode, which is oddly titled The Sixth Key, because Bolo said that there were five-dimensional keys, so that's a little bit ominous. Uh, so we get to inner space to free Bolo from his prison, and he reveals that there is a sixth key, and it has to be one of them. Someone has to sacrifice themselves in order to free Bolo and open final space. Nightfall volunteers to be the sixth key so that Gary and Quinn can be together. Gary tries to talk her out of it, but before they can even discuss it, Avocado is back, and yep, he's still possessed by Invictus. Everybody starts to fight him off, and while they're doing that, Nightfall and Mooncake unlock final space. Y'all, can we just take a second and talk about the score for this show? Because half the emotion is driven by the music that's happening in the background of all this, and it's so good. Like, that's this- Hello? Okay, the cat just sneezed. It kind of freaked me out because he's on the cat tower and I thought the whole thing was coming down. Yeah, the, the score for this show is so good. Um, this is the episode that makes me, like, sob. Like, while... Because um, it's, like, it's it's all this, like, music swelling in the background and, like, all these things are happening. They're having to fight their friend who's not really their friend anymore because now he's possessed by a demon and uh, Nightfall is sacrificing herself and Mooncake is, like, feeling conflicted about, like, having to murder her just to, like, be able to save the universe. It's And, like, in the background of all this stuff happening, there's, like, this really emotional music that's swelling and it's just, like, it adds to the emotion of of everything and it just it makes me very emotional for you know and i think that's probably the like purpose of that but just the score is very good <laughs> okay so nightfall turns to gary and she says something that she says earlier in the season but i didn't touch on it because the events that were surrounding that weren't super like plot relevant but she says always meant to be together but never meant to be and then mooncake like blasts her and ash sees it and this is when we hear the nightfall saying that maybe she got her powers for something down the line and she goes super saiyan and blasts 
the prison holding Bolo. That's not true. She doesn't blast the prison. She, like, her powers, she's like, yeah! And she, like, like all of her powers are, like, swelling, like Avatar State, as she blasts into Avocado, who was possessed by Invictus, and it, like, vaporizes Invictus out of his body. And now Avocado is, like, back. But it's just, again, the music is swelling, and, like, all these things are happening, and then Gary looks around, and he, like, makes eye contact with Nightfall as Mooncake is blasting her, and, like, he watches her fade away, like, Thanos just snapped, and we're just, everybody's fading away. It's, a lot of stuff is happening in this, like, 40 seconds. <laughs> All of this action weakens the walls of inner space, and this dimension is collapsing. So Bolo takes the ship, and he runs with it, and they smash through the walls of inner space, and they go to find the Arachnitex. Bolo says that he's going to final space to free the Titans and defeat Invictus. They say that once he goes in, they seal the door behind him. So everybody on the ship like looks at each other, and Gary's like, alright, well this is kind of the whole point of this mission that we've been on for two seasons, so yeah, here we go. So, just like the end of season one, Season 2 ends with Quinn being lit up by a tractor beam, except Gary goes out to get her, so we've, like, confirmed that this is who's here. Um, and they hug, and it's super sweet and emotional because they've just been through so much to try and get here. And then uh, they, like, hug, and then in the background, Invictus appears. Whew! Okay. Yeah, that was... That was way more than I thought it would be. And that was only two seasons worth. And I left stuff out, yo. So there's just... I missed a lot of stuff. I didn't even cover everything. This show is so good. And I love everything about it. I love the score and the characters and the art style and the voice acting. It's all very good. Um, I highly recommend that you give the show a watch if adult animation is something that you're into. Both seasons are on Prime. But hopefully by the time this episode comes out, there will also be a box set. Uh, this episode was a little bit different than a normal episode would be for me because it's more of an overview, uh, giving you kind of a timeline rather than just hitting my favorite elements. I feel like this show is a little bit under the radar, so I really wanted to try to sell it to you. Also, it's way easier to do this kind of format with a show that follows an actual actual storyline rather than something like Spongebob that isn't really story-driven. Like, Spongebob stuff just kind of happens, but with this, there's an actual plot and things are happening for a reason. It's way easier for me to do something that's this style with this style of show where it like follows an actual story and with that we have reached the end of this episode as well as the end of season one of kelby's cartoon corner i hope that you've really enjoyed listening i hope you found a new show to watch by doing so i can't wait for the next season it's gonna be great um i'm gonna be taking a break for a few weeks to get everything going so i'm not recording and releasing an episode in the same week because that's really exhausting on top of already having a full-time job uh, so the next episode that we're going to release is finally the Steven Universe episode, and this one is going to be a little bit different too, partly because it's going to be me and my roommate together, and also the style is going to be a little bit different, because it's going to be kind of like an interview style, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. So look forward to that, and I look forward to recording that episode so y'all can listen. So again, I hope you enjoyed this episode, this season, and all of Kelby's Cartoon Corner. I hope you found some new shows to watch. I hope you found uh, a, like a good, a fun episode of a show that maybe you hadn't seen before. Uh, I hope you enjoyed everything about this. Uh, thanks for listening, and happy Saturday, or you know whatever day it is, whenever you listen. Happy whatever, and stay safe. <laughs>